Welcome to the Bicurian Podcast, where we explore and embrace the seeming contradictions of life. What actually is Bicurian, you ask? Well, you may not necessarily have a mental concept of Bicurian, partially maybe because it's a made-up word. You embody it. What's happening right now in terms of the divisions between us is a focus on that which is different. And lack of understanding and empathy for people's beliefs is no longer an excuse. And it is in the differences we carry in ourselves that we find the Bicurian moment. When you really dig into something, you're going to see some depth to it. It's not just a race thing. It's not just a conservation thing. It's letting go of the or to make room for the and. We embrace all of you. Welcome to the Bicurian. Welcome to the Bicurian Podcast. I am Aisela. And I am Eric. And this week we are really excited to have a special guest on our show. Um, and his name is Steve Cox. And he's going to talk a little bit about why the parties are the problem and some other things. And we're hoping that you will introduce yourself and tell our guests a little bit about you. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm I'm Steve Cox, as you said. I'm a, I'm an independent candidate for Congress here in Southern California. I'm kind of a perpetual candidate, if you will, because it's a bit of a climb to get everybody aware and, and all that stuff when you don't have a party behind you. But um, yeah, I, I, I legitimately, I had a, a, an epiphany a, a quite a few years ago about this, about the parties and, and more or less, what if they don't want to do the things they say they want to do? Uh, you know, what if that doesn't serve their interests type of thing? And um, I started putting that to the test. And over the course of time, I think I figured out that that's actually true and um, at least largely true. And so uh, I decided I had to do something about it. So, I, uh, you know, that's that's where I'm at and that's where I'm coming from. So I admit I am rather frustrated with um being a left-leaning liberal, I am I'm very frustrated with my own party right now and the Democrats, which yeah. is is ironic that I would even say that, right? Because I don't consider them my party, but they kind of have to be, <laughs> right? Yeah. If you're going to yeah, play ball. The- but, but I love the idea of independent candidates and things like that. What has been your experience um, in the conversations you've had? You know, I got to tell you um- – like I said, it's an uphill climb because there's there's a lot of things that have been sort of pushed into people's uh, way of thinking about this. You know, the wasted vote and um, this sort of stuff. Like, you know, they, they, a lot of people believe that they have to or must choose between these two parties. Um, but uh, as I've gone around and I've been canvassing since I first started running in late 2017, I canvassed neighborhoods and whatever, and I... Uh, uh, knock on doors and I hate it. Cause honestly, you won't know it cause of what I'm doing here, but I'm an, in, I'm an introvert naturally. Um, so I, I, I hate knocking on doors every single time. I'm like, I don't want to do it, but I always knock. Um, I always step past that discomfort, you know, and I knock and, um, almost a hundred percent of the time, this is how it goes. I knock, I go knock, knock. You know, I don't actually say that by the way. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> I knock, they answer the door. I'm usually wearing a suit because some some of the things I believe are true are so far outside of the Overton window that you have to dress nice or people will think you're crazy. So um, I, I wear a suit, I knock on the door, they answer the door, I say, hi, I'm Steve Cox, uh, um, I'm running for Congress here, and I shake their hand, 
And they always do this. They fold their arms in front of themselves and they just go like, which party? Like this. And I'm like, I'm an independent. And almost 100% of the time they're like, oh, okay. Right. And it, it doesn't matter what party they are. Like it really doesn't matter. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times they just want to know that you're not the enemy. Uh, I think that's most of it, but like, believe it or not, and this surprised me as I was going on, you know, as I started this process, believe it or not, Republicans, in my experience, are less partisan, um, than Democrats are. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, but it was it was a surprise to me because I always thought of Democrats as being, you know, priding themselves on being open minded and things like that. But well, and (laughs) so it's interesting. um, I come from a really conservative background um, and I am now in a very liberal life. (laughs) And so I have a lot of like really close friends and family who are really quite conservative and and we've stayed close. And um, one of the things that was really interesting to me was this moment because doing the podcast what I wanted was to create something that kind of bridge like my life has to be a bridge and that's part of why this is such a passion for me and one of my really close friends who's still quite conservative Christian and um he is he's a dad and he wrote us and he said um I, I'm playing this podcast for my kids because I want them to know all social justice warriors aren't full of hate and, 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 and he really sees us as an ally, right? Like, so that we've achieved that, which is really awesome. But, but that was a moment for me to be really clear that this idea that the, the left has of the, you know, hateful conservative is completely mirrored by the mm. idea that the right has of the hateful self, social justice warrior. Yeah. And yeah. I 100% know where it comes from. I absolutely know exactly why they have that view. And so it's, it, that's a really painful thing to recognize, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So and I, I got to flip- admit, uh, you know, I mean, I, I assume you guys both watched the, the, my campaign video. It's like five minute video. Yeah. Minutes. Yeah. I love it. Yep. <laughs> I really love it. <laughs> um, that was all from my heart. You know, it's real, really what I believe, but, but also, um, I really believe that in that video, we talk a lot about the divisions that are sort of foisted upon us by the media and, and whatever. And, and I, I gotta say, I really think that that's a big driving driver of this thing. You know, that the, the, you know, I'm a huge George Carlin fan. I mentioned this, this to you and on the Twitter um, talking and he does this whole bit talking about how, um, you know, they don't care about you. Like (laughs) these, because, well, it's a big club and you ain't in it. He talks about the, the uh, owners of this country and all this stuff. And, and that's really, I think, essentially what it is, is there's, there are moneyed interests that control our government through our representatives, what are supposed to be our representatives, and they're not our representatives. And those moneyed interests also happen to control most of the media and, and you know, all this stuff. So I, it's not like once you start breaking it down, it's not really even that crazy to understand it's not it's not even weird it makes sense absolutely people end up this way you know so i i flipped through your website and and we'll post a link to it in our show notes but for the benefit of our listeners in the show um maybe you can just give us the elevator pitch version of kind of where you're coming from and 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 what your stances are on some of the key points 
Sure. Uh, you know, I, I do call myself a Bernie crat. Um, but, I, you know, I'm a little bit left of him, to be honest, in some stuff, I, and I'm right of him on other stuff. It's, I, I, I try to avoid labels for the most part because they mean different things to different people. And, you know, if I say I'm a progressive, then certain progressives are going to think that's a, that, that means one thing, but I'm not that thing. Um, you know, but truth is, is I'm a libertarian sometimes. <laughs> I'm, I'm a conservative sometimes. I'm a liberal sometimes. I'm a, I'm a lefty sometimes. Um, but I, it, it's always based off of the evidence that I can dig up, the, the numbers, the facts, the data, and, and ultimately the center goal of it, the root goal of what I'm trying to bring across is, is a true liberty for the people where they can live their lives as they see fit without being subjugated by big business or government, you know, where government does its job to take care of, of you know, theft and other sort of crimes against people and, and uh, um business does its job, you know, and pays its employees well and all this sort of stuff. And, and so, I, like I said, I'm a bit of a birdie crap, but the bottom line is, is I think that the, I think there are right and wrong answers. I, it, this isn't even a matter of opinion anymore. I don't think like I've looked into this enough. Healthcare, I think is going to be better done as a single payer system, not for profit. I think that that's the right way to do it. I think that's the way to make it happen. I think that economics bear that out in terms of like economic theory. Um, I also, you know, from a moral standpoint, I want to get us out of these wars and I, you know, I'm going to be against any war anybody brings up unless it's in direct defense of our own nation. Um, when I'm in office, um, you know, we got to get something going to, to fight climate change, something big, a lot bigger than what anybody's even actually promoted or, or talked about so far. Um, nobody's come close to actually addressing it yet. Um, you know, so on all these things, I sort of land on the left and everybody, you know, assumes I'm a lefty and I am in some ways, I guess, but I'm also not for gun, uh, gun bans or anything like that. I, I'm for universal background checks, things like that, but I'm not for banning things, taking things away from, uh, you know, regular people that own them that aren't really a problem for anybody else, things like that. So, you know, on that way, I end up on the right. And sometimes when I'm talking to a Republican, when I'm canvassing, they'll ask me, they'll be like, well, what? Name one thing that you uh, agree with me about. And I'll be like, I don't believe banning guns would actually help anything. Uh, uh, they just kind of go, oh, okay. And then they want to, you know, then they're like cool talking about universal health care. They're cool talking about the climate change, you know, all this stuff. It's like you just got to break in a little bit and let them know that you're not going to try and take away everything that they hold dear, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. we, um, we did an episode called The Perception Gap on a study that was released that was really, really intriguing around the left and the right here in this country and specifically the Democrat and Republican labels. Did you see that when it came through or I don't know? I didn't. I, okay. I've listened to your foxes and uh, hedgehogs. Foxes? <laughs> yeah, hedgehogs. I listened to that one and the one that came after, but that's all I've had a chance to listen to. So well, far, and so I, I, I just don't know if you, and I'll, you'll, I'll send you the, cause you'll find it to be very interesting as well, I'm sure. And it's, it was put out by a group called more in common. Um, that's an international group that's trying to get people to notice that we actually have more in common than we, than different. Yes. But the, yes. the really interesting thing about it was they said, they asked Democrats, what do you think Republicans would say about um, fic you know, a, a good immigration system? Mm, the border. 
border, the border. Yeah. And, and letting people in. And the Democrats were like, oh, you know, they're, they're like 30 percent of them would be in favor of fixing the system. And then they versus 70 percent wanting to, like, build a wall. Yeah. Right. That, and, then, and that's the right, perception right, right. point there. And then they asked right, the Republicans right. the same question, like, what would you how would you feel about, um, you know, vetted immigration like kind of stuff. And the Republicans were like 60% in favor. And then similarly, they asked the Republicans, you know, what do you think Democrats feel about, um, you know, gun gun control, for example, you know, like allowing people to have their rights with some reasonable protections. And the the Republicans, the same thing. They're like, Oh, like 30% of them are in favor it. And then they ask the Democrats right. and the Democrats are more like sick. Like our actual difference is not as different as our perception of our difference, which really speaks well, to your I, point about the media. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, from my perspective, um, you know, I, I, I really, truly believe that all people are essentially the same. We have we have about three traits that all of us share, you know, with very few exceptions, like sociopaths, whatever. Uh but, you know, for the overall thing, we all share traits where we w- basically want to be able to be to, to have a place of relative safety to raise our families um, and, and to live, um, you know, in, in relative comfort. Um, we want to uh, we want to feel like we can be who we are and and be accepted for who we are by our community. Um, and we want to be able to contribute to our community. I think those three things are 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 universal things that go across um, any sort of lines. And I think that once I, my belief is that if we start at what what is the same about us, if we start at the point that everything is the same, that we're still we're all human beings and human beings are these things, that's what human beings are, then it makes it a lot easier to to accept and even celebrate our differences, which are also very important. You know, and you know our cultural differences, our our you know sexual orientations, our uh, all you know any number of differences that we have, those seem to not matter as much if you start from the point of view that we are all essentially the same. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I I would also say that a lot of what you said, you know, where your policies lie. Um, would fly quite high in our state where we're in, which is Colorado. Um, where yeah, we're a fully, fan, w- by the way, what's that? I'm a Broncos fan. Oh, it's nice. a rough year, but <laughs> it has been a rough year. I am, I am a diehard Broncos fan as well. Um, <laughs> it has not been easy, <laughs> No, but, um, well, and, and that's sort of the thing, like, you know, we have an identity out here and we are firmly a blue state at this point, but, out here, yeah. you're going to find more gun-toting Democrats than probably anywhere maybe but uh, the the Northeast, like New England area. <laughs> they, they, they do that a yeah. lot there too. Well, and, I mean, it's somewhat wilderness-y, right? You got outside – once you get outside of Colorado Springs, Denver, whatever you get out of – you know, you get you get wilderness. You're going to have to have a gun at some point. Like there's stuff out there. Yeah, well, and hunting's a part of the culture here. And there's a certain yeah. amount of, uh, as you mentioned, kind of a libertarian view of – I'm yeah. not hurting nobody. Let me own my guns. And and it's really hard to convince people, I think, that that taking away their gun is going to help prevent a shooting. <laughs> Ironically, know? in spite of the fact that we have both Columbine and the Aurora shooting as right. local news. So it yeah. has it has um, 
you know, I will. I I feel like like there was a shooting the day that we're recording this. Yeah, and here here in California. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's just oh, how many this time? How old was he? Where was it? Yeah. But yeah. you know, in in the Colorado news, we were a part of the very you know the big ones, Columbine. Two, two of the biggest, yeah. Yeah, it set the awful, standard. Obviously. Yeah, it, it's it's not great, but so in in Denver proper, they have passed a lot firmer gun laws and things like that. But in general, the state hasn't. And, you know, it's, it's where I feel like we're in an interesting experiment out here. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I could tell you, cause this was one of my favorite subjects because it flies in the face of everything we're told. Um, uh, but I look at the data and again, I'm a nerd. I'm a total geek. I, I dive into data. I want to see the numbers. I want to see what everything says. And, you know, so we have this blue, Bloomberg anti-gun lobby on one side, which is, you know, billionaire Bloomberg, and he wants to ban everything or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I think they're well-intentioned. But then you have the NRA on the other side. I'm not so sure about their well-intentioned. Um, you know, but, but you know, both of those, especially the NRA, it's a good, a good analogy for the parties in a way, because if you ever notice after a mass shooting, what will happen is the NRA will somehow rile up the anti-gun crowd um, you know, by putting out a press release like they did after Sandy Hook, um, stuff like that, which, you know, a press release basically saying, oh, it wasn't our fault. And it's like nobody was saying it was your fault. You know, like, shut up. Like, nobody wants to hear from the NRA after 20 kids were just murdered in school, right? Like, it's just not a smart way of looking at it. But then that was one of the things that brought me to this realization was I realized that when they, when they riled everybody up, when the NRA riled everybody up, uh, it riled up the anti-gun crowd. And when it riled up the anti-gun crowd, money came into the NRA yeah. because the anti-gun crowd starts threatening gun rights. And then, you know, that that's good for the NRA. And that's when I started going, oh, I get it. I understand. I get what they're doing. Um, you know, this is money. And the parties do the same thing. Um, but where I'm going with this is that when you start from a, from a position of, um, you know, 400 million guns at this point in this country, minimum. Uh, I don't think that there's a way to ban that and make it just go away. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a possibility at this point. Like that Pandora's box is open. And, and, but, but we do have a solution. We really, really do have a solution. It's the same solution it's always been. And that's the, the frustrating part of this. Socioeconomic equality. Mm-hmm. That's what stops everything like you, you all the crime all the violent crime the property crime um you know universal health care so we could actually uh, help people with their mental health problems too because that's also yeah. relevant in in this discussion um and on and on and on it's socioeconomic equality we have the worst socioeconomic equality by far in the western world in the in the, among oecd nations we also have the highest rate of gun deaths I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. I don't think it has to do with the guns. Nope. Not that much, you know? Right. Yeah. And and I mean of course guns are one issue and and sure. we we could we could talk about that all night. Yeah. Um I don't really know good, if this yeah. is something you'd consider to be political suicide, but it's tough to <laughs> discuss anything in politics right now without bringing up our current situation with impeachment hearings right. yeah. and all of that. Um I more to the point um, and this is a subject that we covered on a last show. Um, it's a very partisan process by design. What are right. your thoughts on that? Because to be honest, I, I fear we have a tyrant in power 
and this is outside of my political leanings either way, that the things he does makes me worried that he doesn't have the country's best interests in heart. And, and we, we live in a world where I think we fundamentally assume if somebody gets elected to office, they do. And I don't know what to do when that doesn't feel true. Well, I feel like that assumption is the first part of the problem. The, <laughs> I agree now. <laughs> they, they get into office because they seek power. And I think that anybody who seeks power, you should automatically not trust them. It's the opposite of what, you, what you're talking about. Uh, anybody who seeks power in any form should, the, their trust, trust in them should be very, very difficult to achieve and very, very easy to lose, in my opinion because they, they're putting themselves in a position where they can do a lot of damage um, if, if they're, you know, if they decide they want to, you know, and that goes for clergy, that goes for police officers, that goes for anybody who seeks out any sort of a position of power like, like that. Um, so that's number one. I don't, I mean, God, everybody always, <laughs> I end up getting accused of being a Trump supporter. I'm not a Trump supporter. I think the guy's an idiot and I have no love for him at all. It's just that I don't think that the other side of it, I think that up till now they've been better at hiding <laughs> their their motives than this guy is. I think that's really the bigger issue for me. I think that it's mostly that he's just kind of doesn't care about, like he's not talking about, we need to guard the oil fields in Syria. And I'm like, that's why we've been in all these wars from the beginning is for oil fields, but you never hear a president say it, right? Now he's saying it. Well, he pull, yeah, he pulls the troops guy. out and then admits why we're putting some back in. <laughs> right, exactly. Because we need the oil. And right. that was the whole point in any of those wars, right? That's and, the whole idea. It's oil, it's banking, and it's natural gas, and it's defense contractors. That's well, what it is. I think that because I one of the things I appreciated about our, our, our exchange on Twitter that led me to to, to talk to Eric about asking you to be on the show was that I appreciate that you challenged some of my assumptions and I've, yeah. I really thought a lot about some of the stuff that you brought up. Cause I was like, Oh, I can see what you're saying. And I, a lot of my conservative friends are not Trump supporters. And despite the often they're very much like the re Republican down the line kind of voters. And, yeah. and we, we meet there on the, the indecency and the ways in which in the ways in which he projects some of these um, harmful behaviors, because the reality is that a, a president is a, is a um, an example or a role model. And if the president does it yeah. there for a Figure lot of head. people, yeah. there is an un, there right. is a there. There are a lot of people that will feel a sense of permission when they see a, a person in a position of power doing something. Yeah. And, and, and that is a lot of it. Like the, my friends who were against him in the primary, cause they're Republicans and, and who were fighting against him being elected. They were like, this is not about parties. This is not about politics. This is about decency. This is about the way yeah. that we treat each other in this country. We don't want someone who is essentially a bully and doesn't have a problem yeah. being a bully publicly and, right. and in, in some ways creating a mandate for people. And and I think for me, I was like, yeah, I think that's the place where I really land that that's one of the major challenges for me is I, I actually agree with you that um, I'm actually watching this comedy show and they're talking about, you know, who who's in the bad place. And they're like all presidents except for Lincoln, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, probably. And because I think yeah. I think I mean, that's I really the thing. I love Thomas Jefferson as a, as a thinker, but he owns slaves. Right. Like, you're not going to really get past that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
And yeah. and I think that that what what they were talking about when it came to decency, I'm like, no, that's really true. And it it has um it has done some things in how people feel comfortable behaving and expressing themselves that yeah. I I don't think are particularly good for us as a country. Um and the nepotism is also concerning to me. Like we are yeah. not we're not a monarchy and therefore the family members of our president I mean, or their personal attorneys are not supposed to be ambassador. Like those kinds of things are, yeah. are against the spirit of how our government is supposed to work. And, and can that's I, can concerning. I, can I do it? Can I throw just a little yeah. bit of a, of a devil's advocate at you? Absolutely. P- please do. What, what if, and I don't even know that this is true. So whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what if, what if the reason why he's doing the nepotism thing is because he doesn't know who he can actually trust in Washington or anybody like that? What if it's actually just because he doesn't know uh, who's going to actually back him and who's going to leak on him or do anything else like that? I actually think it's because he's a he he reminds me of an, a small businessman. Like my dad has a business and he hires his he hired his sister and his wife. And, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I, I actually feel like that's I feel like. When I look at it, I think that's his motivation. I think it, there's a trust thing, and I think it's just that he comes from the business world, and that's really common in a family but I feel business. Like they could all make more money not in the government, right? Like, mm-hmm. but, but I, and so I understand that may not have nefarious things behind it, and that doesn't matter actually because it's not. It doesn't. It's not how we do our government. Like, it's actually why. Theoretically, we said no more England. And and to me, right. that's something that is important when I when I actually step back and think about it, like our our purpose. And in some ways, it's it's what you're talking about. Our purpose, it should be evidence based. If we're going to have someone do a yeah. job, they need to demonstrate the the quality and the skill necessary to do it. Um, yeah. So though, and then this other stuff, I'm like, no, I guess I, I probably agree with you. Uh, all our presidents have been corrupt and that's, I don't like that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's the worst part, right? Like I, that's the part that, that just really gets me is, you know, because beyond Trump, like Trump is this, you know, lightning rod, right? You, everybody hates him or they love him. And I, you know, I hate him. I'm one of those people, but, but I don't hate him enough to, to ignore anything else around him or to, uh, uh, you know, like this is going to sound funny, but if, if you, if you put the CIA next to the devil himself and they were on opposite sides of an issue, I would have to hear the devil out. Right. (laughs) That's more or less where I come from on stuff like that. So, you know, when the CIA is coming out against this guy, part of me is like, well, okay. You know, but I, you know, these are the same people that lied us into Iraq, lied us into uh, Vietnam you know, all kinds of other atrocities, uh, experiments against our own people in this country, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm kind of like, well, you know, that's not really a trustworthy source to me. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go around uh, uh, extolling the virtues of this CIA to anybody. And and isn't it funny? And this comes down to the partisan stuff that, that led you to where you're at right now. Right. all of my liberal friends are just as likely to think the CIA is the worst thing ever if it wasn't for the fact that right now people in the yeah. CIA are anti-Trump. And and that, I right, think, exactly. is core to 
fundamentally why I, I I want to believe in and agree with where you're coming from from an independent stance because yeah. the partisan stuff and and that's I mean that's the point of this show we, we really do talk yeah. about like bringing people to center looking at the other side of the argument and like I said I, I Trump lost me um, it was fairly recently but the whole telling um, the four female senators with darker complexions to go home right. and three of them yeah, were born yeah. here, American citizens. And it's like, okay, that's that, that to me is owning slaves. Like that's just too much. So yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So, so no, I do tend to agree with you. And, and I like AOC a lot. I really do. Yeah. I think she's, I think she's, she's wonderful. More or less a and, and regardless, I just don't want to, he is influential and I have a real problem with that being his influence. So I have specific complaints, but no, I agree with you. Like we can't, we can't be on the side of whatever's against what we're against. And <laughs> the enemy of my that. enemy is my friend. Yeah, we, people do it by default. And, yeah. And and where do we go with that? Like, how do you even advance forward? Well, and I think that, that that's the part that's really upsetting is it is default. And that and I did it. Like that I got totally caught up in this tribal reflex thinking. And then I looked and I was like, wait a minute, you know, I learned how to be thoughtful around stuff with my family and my friends, but I bought into this, um, this default identity and it yeah. not only does it not serve me, <laughs> it, it doesn't actually build any kind of world that I want to be part of. And, no. and I get it. No, and I actually... Sorry, go ahead. No, you're I'm saying I get it because like honestly what happened was I got really busy. <laughs> like there was a lot going on. I had kids yeah. in school. I was working full time. Like and and I didn't have time to go and find all the details. I I, I had to trust people. <laughs> yeah, and you trust you end up trusting um trusting untrustworthy media or whatever who's going to push a certain narrative anyway. I mean, Barack Obama broke my heart. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Like, the guy broke my heart. I, I, I gave the guy 500 bucks in 2008 on the promise of, of fixing health care, um, which meant to me uh, at the time even, you know, some sort of universal system, uh, uh, on the promise of getting us out of the wars, on the promise of um, expanding protections for federal whistleblowers, which was a big point for me because, again, very truth evidence-based guy here. Mm -hmm. And I, I want—I don't think—I I live by the adage that that which can be destroyed by the truth should be, right? And and so there's a lot of things like that that I, I had all the hope in the world for him, and he, he's the most amazing orator I think we've ever had in the office, at least since we've been able to record mm -hmm. um, presidents and listen to them talk. Um, but, but, uh, I mean, he broke my heart, you know, he, he went against everything that he said he was going to do. He, you know, he was against, uh, uh, rating. He was, he was like going to give states rights for marijuana, for example, you guys are in Colorado, yeah. but he ended up uh, with more raids against state legal medical marijuana businesses in his first four and a half years than had been performed in the previous 12 years. Um, to his, his presidency, he, he jailed more whistleblowers under the Espionage Act than all previous presidents combined. Hmm. All of them combined. Yeah. Like, th th you know, this is, he broke my heart, man. And, and in a way, he's, he's what pushed me here. You know, this is why I ended up where I'm at. So, sort of ironic, right? Because you know, people might assume it was Trump or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it was Obama. 
<laughs> well, it's funny you bring up the funny, healthcare thing because I remember when that passed and the next day I heard a news story that said that basically all of the stock prices for the insurance companies started shooting up immediately because people yeah. are now required to go to them or face like yeah. penalties. And I'm like that something feels wrong about yeah. this plan. That's it's not how it was supposed economics. to work. I can tell you exactly what's wrong with it. Uh, from an economics standpoint, we always talk about, we, you know, you hear it in the media all the time, free market, free market, free market, a free market. Um, in reality, the way that we use that term, we use it to mean laissez-faire capitalism, which is you keep government more or less out of the process. Um, but in reality, a true free market is, is we, all of us, all the human beings in this country and in the world essentially, but for this, in this country, are the free market. We are the market. And, and in order for us to be a free market, we must be free to enter and leave the marketplace at will. Yeah. But if you're sick, if you've got a, if you've got a leukemia or you get in a car accident, anything like that, guess what? You're not free. You're, you're a captive market. And so anything that's a captive market like that, is going to be way too expensive. It's going to be easy to make a lot of profit off of people. And it's going to be, you know, exactly what we have, you know, 18%, we spend 18% of our GDP on healthcare and the highest it is anywhere in the country in the OECD nations that have all have universal healthcare is 12%. And, and the average is 9%. So we're double the average. And, you know, it's all because it's just bad economics. And I knew that when that happened, when that went through that way, the only saving grace could have been if they had the public option, which was going to be a way for the, for the public to buy into a government, um, government run health insurance company or something like that. I don't know if it'd be called a company, but that could have saved it because you would have potentially introduced downward pressure on prices and things like that through competition. If there's not a profit motive. But they, they killed that off. And the Democrats had 58 or 59 senators and, you know, the majority in the House, and they just couldn't they just couldn't make it happen. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I think that's the reality. Like you're pointing out that stuff and it makes total sense. And I think it takes coming from the independent mindset to actually be able to yeah. look at the flaws on both sides. And it's something that a lot of people I really respect. They stop short of that. They're not willing to actually look at, you know, what did the Democrats do wrong? I feel ostracized when I point out that, you know, during that time, the things I saw Nancy Pelosi doing did not make me feel real good. Yeah. Because we yeah, passed health care. That's what we needed for? to do. Yeah. Well, Who's she and- working for? Is she working for you or even her constituents in, in uh, San Francisco area, in the Bay Area? Yeah. Or is she working for big money lobbyists who are paying all this putting the money into the party and everything else. The DNC and the RNC, the two conventions in 2016, both got like a million dollars or more from Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yeah. You know? Yep. It's, well, and- it's not hard to figure out. And if the same owner owns all the horses in a horse race, would you really bet on the on that race? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. Well, and in the one of the things that I was doing is kind of saying, okay, if I'm going to step back, I have to say, we have to look at Trump differently. So there's these things that I do have issue with. That doesn't mean that his policies are all problematic. Like once right. again, the can't, you know, he, he actually legalized hemp in our country. Like he's the one that, yeah. that made that happen. And that's going to be a great industry potentially for the Midwest. There's a lot of possibility in that. 
Obama wouldn't do it. Nope. <laughs> and, and and so, I mean, we have to we have to actually look and see what's happening and not like you said, what we're being told is happening. And I think part of it is kind of what I was fighting with. Like people are busy and that's part of why we do the show and we try to bring in some of the like under underlying facts or ideas or different perspectives. It's not even all political. Yeah. Sometimes it's just different ways of looking at common sense. For sure. For sure. But like, you know, this is a, this is, you know, if you want to put on a tinfoil hat for a second, sure. <laughs> you know, this, this works out. This is how this works, right? This is the system. The system. I look at systems like an ecosystem or any sort of system there, you know, the way that I look at systems, is you know one of the definitions of a system is a self-contained thing, right? It 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 operates on its own. Everything works, has its place, and and usually they have pretty decent defenses against you know problems coming along and everything else. If you look at this system, that's exactly what you're supposed to get, right? This is this is how mm-hmm. it's set up. You know, it's it's you can't you can't expect. Uh, a fish to climb a tree, you know, like, yeah. this, is, this is how it works. You have, you have big money interests that are paying off all these politicians and everything else to make sure that, you know, they get what they want. It's bribery. It's absolutely what it is. And that's what happens. That's just the end result. And then the only thing that, you know, on the tinfoil hat end of things is that, it, that I don't know, I don't understand yet is how much power the president really has to change foreign policy and things like that when you have these uh, sort of cemented permanent government interests in these intelligence agencies and defense and everything else. Like how much power does the president even really have? Maybe Barack Obama expanding the wars from two to seven, maybe that wasn't even his call. Yeah. I don't know. No. And that's a point. I mean, one of the things I'm clear on is until you've done a job, you actually don't know what's what the job entails. So that's a that's a fair point. Um, and yeah. I, I would also say that one of the things that I observed during the 2016 election cycle is people are complaining about the two major party candidates. And my point was kind of these are the candidates that our system has created. Yeah. This, these people have done what was necessary to get into this position. So we kind of have yeah. the candidates we deserve as long as we support the process it takes to get there. It's on us. Think about, think about that. Think about, like, in my opinion, those two candidates in 2016 shouldn't have made the top 10 million. Right. <laughs> but they were yeah. the top two. They're the top two. How? How does that happen? In any functional democracy, that would not have happened. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and like I said, the, one of the problems I have fundamentally with the party, um, the Democratic Party, was how things went down around Hillary. That. Yeah. Like nothing was going her way, but they were pressuring so many people in the party to just switch and push. And it felt like they were going for a coronation. I don't dislike Hillary. And it's hard to have this conversation with anybody, you know, in the party until they. I I do dislike Hillary a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, fundamentally, I don't think she's a horrible person. I did not want her to be president. That's the point. So from my point of view, the way that they kind of forced all of that was fundamentally the problem. And and yeah. there was a lot of arguments, and, and I guess we'll never know whether Bernie could have won or not. The claims are he would have. 
from him yeah. <laughs> and some other people. But I think he would have. And and so, you know, that's where I really f- see the partisan politics is not serving us because the yeah, party is the, the more powerful. What item. happens if Bernie wins? What happens if Bernie wins? Like, think about that. If oh. Bernie wins, he doesn't take any corporate money. He doesn't take any lobbyist money of any kind. What happens to that party? And I'm talking about the party up at the top. Like regular people is a different thing altogether. But, but you know, the near Tandons and all these other people that like run these PACs and these other uh, think tanks and other sort of uh, ancillary things that they're all part of this party and they all play a role and they all bring in millions and millions of yeah. dollars from all these special interest groups and everything else. So if you really analyze it, what would happen if Bernie Sanders won the presidency, which I hope he does, but if he did, that party, as we know it, and a lot of the people that hold, hold most of the power in that party goes away. Yeah. You know, it, it dies off. Oh, and it, that's what they're fighting. It, and it feels that way. That they're, they, yeah. they like the system. It's like you said, it's yes, self-contained it and it defends itself. So, yeah. Um, so okay, you had. Well, I was just going to say we're, we're we're getting towards the end here. I wanted to give everybody an opportunity. Um, I like to make things slightly educational. So, in addition to telling us kind of what you've got going on and where people can follow you, um, what would you say in addition to voting for you, people could do to explore some things in the independent way of thinking and voting in their states, jurisdictions, whatever. I want to say two things. The first one is about, I'll answer this question. The second one is about my personal life. So if I forget where I'm going with this, come back to my personal life. You guys can remind me. (laughs) Good delegation. uh, Yeah, there you go. Um, The thing about it, like, I wouldn't even mind if we had these parties and they just stayed exactly like they are if the public themselves were independent. Um, Because I think... I used to be a Republican back in the day. I was born into a Republican household and everything else. And I sort of bought into all the stuff for a long time. And it was, um, you know, I'm 42. It was around 2002, three, somewhere in there when the Patriot Act came along and then we're attacking the wrong country and a bunch of stuff. And I'm going, whoa, 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 what's this small government thing? I remember these small government Republicans and I kind of bought that whole idea. And now all of a sudden this is the opposite mm-hmm. of small government, right? To have, uh, Patriot Act, everything else. So I bailed out. And what I realized when I did that was how much bias I really had. I was defending things that my party was doing that I never would have defended, you know, like morally or ethically, I would have never defended it, but I was doing it because that was my team. You know, it's like rooting for the Denver Broncos. When, when Chris Harris, uh, uh, commits past interference we're all like that's not past interference are you kidding me that's bs whatever <laughs> absolutely uh, you know when the other team does it uh, you know then obviously it's always even when it's not past interference it is right so and that's what happens is it, it you know that the partisan divide it, it's really clever that way but it, it makes you so that you don't actually think straight and speaking for myself i didn't you know i wasn't thinking straight And so I had to relieve myself of that strain of that bias and become an independent. I've never been a Democrat. I've never belonged to any other party since the day I left the Republican party because I realized that it was messing with how I think. And I don't like that. I don't, I want to be able to think things through myself. 
um, I, you know, I feel like we're all given this brain and we should probably, you know, try and use it whenever <laughs> <Yeah>. possible. <laughs> right. Um, so, so that's the big thing. I, I want people to do that. I, I, you know, online is a problem because I think people perceive themselves as having an audience and, and so they're un, unrelenting. They don't want to back off on any of their positions because they feel like they're being watched by other people that are ideologically in their camp or whatever, and that they'll lose street cred or, or whatever it is. And so it, 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 I think that's a big part of this bubble that everybody creates for, over themselves. But the online thing, if we could all just once a day say, yeah, you're right, I'm wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just once a day, I think that would be amazing. But ultimately, I'm not saying that what, what worked for me to think independently is going to work for everybody or that it's even necessary for everybody else. But for myself, and I do believe I'm a common man, so maybe for a lot of people, I think just by registering as an independent or as a no-party preference, which is what it's called here in California, I think that makes you smarter. I think it probably does. And and, and then I'll do the personal thing, but if you have a response to no, that. No, I... I- think that all sounds great and in fact it's very much core to where we are in um how we present the show um you know like i said i i have called myself a democrat i i've never felt like one not for the last few years but realistically that's the point of our show we want people to actually think and and maybe i'd be willing to admit that maybe you're right in to some regard that if people would drop party mm-hmm they could actually think cl- think clearly. Well, they they definitely yeah, got I'm- me because I was not I did not register. I did the same thing actually. I was Republican and then when I left, I was like, nope, done. And then there was the yeah. well, if you want to vote in the primary, you have to be registered as a Democrat and I was like, oh, I really want that it, these can't it was a it was around a specific election and then I just stayed and I'm like, huh, you know, now that you say that, yeah, I got to think about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I did um, in 2016, I would not have had to do that here in California, but I still didn't vote in the primary at that time because I was out of town um, and I didn't have mail ballots or whatever. But but I gave Bernie Sanders 250 bucks in 2016. I figured, hey, you could get more than one vote with that, I hope. Okay. Right? So, there you go. <laughs> so I felt like I was clear um, in that in that regard. But you know, the other thing and the personal thing that I wanted to bring up is that my wife, um, Erica, my wonderful wife, we've been we've been married for 15 years uh, in just six days. It'll be 15 years. Congratulations. Um, thank you. But we've got a little girl on the way. Uh, we tried for a long time to have a, a kid and it wasn't working out um, for a variety of reasons. And then we kind of gave up because of all the costs we were involved, the health care and, and um, you know, also thinking about climate change and what kind of a future this kid's going to have and a lot of stuff like that. And we kind of just, you know, I mean, I married her cause I love her and I, I was fine with being just with her. I didn't marry her as a baby maker or anything. So, uh, I, I was fine with just being me and her, but, um, she ended up getting pregnant and, and now we've got a little girl who will be born around Christmas time. Um, and I got to tell you before I didn't really think, I really didn't think that, uh, like, I don't buy into the concept of other people's children. I think that children are, are everybody's and they're all of our responsibility because even from a selfish point of view, they're, they're our doctors when we're old. You know, they're, like, they're, they're people that we need around, that we need to, to have a functional society, then our children actually have to be taken care of. Um, but I always thought that that was enough 
but with this kid coming, um, it's done nothing but harden my resolve on this thing because uh, I really, truly, to the my heart of hearts, believe the answer is not. It's not me. Like I'm not the answer. I'm just a guy. Um, but I think I have the answer. And if you li- in any society, if you live in a society and you you come up with an answer for problems that people are facing, it's it's up to you to present it. Like you have to. You, that's your job. That's that's how you belong to a society. And um, you know, so that's what I'm doing. Uh, but I, but ultimately, the the strength and the draw of an independent um, you know win and candidacy and, and an independently um, thinking government is that the people themselves, the voters who are supposed to have the power in this government, um, they that's how they get the power back from these parties. I believe is to is to reject um, the the dogma and the you know the tail wagging the dog on all these different issues and really just take a moment and think and and look at things you know from a rational point of view try and reject the fear of immigrants and and of uh, you know right wing people as like everybody's got fears they want to push. But ultimately, we're all people, and if we could all just get together and 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 kumbaya a little bit, I feel like we could actually make the world right. We can actually fix it. But we have to be strong enough to stand up to all these powers that are trying to keep us from doing that. And that's the hard part, you know. But I'm going to keep fighting because it's worth it. And that's that's really the bottom line. Thank oh, you. If, if anybody wants to come to my website, it's voteforcox.com, spelled just like you think, except it's C-O-X, in case you think that's not how that's spelled. <laughs> 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 uh, and uh, I've got a lot of policy stuff on there. I'm a total nerd. I've got 30,000 words. I wrote it all myself, sourced it all myself. Um, you know, I built the site myself. I set up the lights for my own photos myself. Uh, you know, I, I'm that's the kind of person I am, but... I just really want people to start to just take a moment, turn off MSNBC, turn off Fox News, turn off whatever's, whatever talking head is trying to tell you what to think and think for yourself. Because once we can do that, we can actually fix this, I think. Thanks. I yeah, agree. we really appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to have you back in the future. Maybe we'll have some other things that come up and we can chat some more. Yeah, it'd be great. I, re- I really love your, your, the one that I listened to, and that's why I knew that this was the right show. I was totally going to come on. So, Yay. <laughs> we appreciate it. Offered, I was like, yes, yes, I will, I will definitely come on the show. And we appreciate what you're doing. So um, yeah. thank you very thank much. You. And with that great conversation, we're going to wrap up the show. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas, feedback, thoughts, please find us on social media. We are Bikerian on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can give us a call at 720-507-7309. And of course, you can always email us at podcast at bikerian.com. And if you like what we are doing, we have a new listener support program. Consider going to glow.fm backslash bikerian to support our show and help us get the word out. Thank you. Thank you.